Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. listening to uncle sam soccer podcast keeping you up to date with the latest in american soccer and don't forget to subscribe good day to everybody and welcome to this edition of uncle sam soccer podcast i'm steven jotter and on the line with us is Armand Kafai down in Texas and assistant producer Jake Watroba in Minnesota. We got the, the game back together. Uh, and we're going to be talking about MLS attendance. Steve Brizendine is going to join us to talk about the red hot sporting Kansas City. And James Grossi, we had him on multiple times now, talk about TFC and the Champions League. Can they turn around and make history for MLS and U.S. soccer? But boys... What's going on? Nothing much. Um, kind of, kind of just living life, you know. <laughs> watching a watching a bunch of soccer here and there, trying to not pass out after studying like five six hours for exams. So it's it's, it's a hard knocks life, Jake. I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah, you know, it definitely is a hard knock life up here. I'm um, just uh, watching. The Sounders put on a clinic on Minnesota United right now, so uh, as is any MLS team wants to do with uh, Minnesota United. So that's – they're really – you know that respect thing they were talking about a, a few weeks ago? They're, yeah. They're, they're, they've really uh, – I think last that was last week. Matches, think that was whatever last it was, week. they've really done a great – well, Armand last week went and – I guess I can blame him for this performance right now for jinxing them, basically saying they're a great team. I don't know why no one respects them, but no, like like a few weeks ago when Francisco Calvo came out and said no one respects us and why why don't why don't we get the same amount of respect as Atlanta and LAFC and New York City and all this stuff? Well, th- this is why Francisco <laughs> Calvo. This is why you, you they look terrible today. Granted, this could, I could sound like an idiot in 24 hours if they come back and win three two or something, but. After one half, they look terrible. So that's what I'm doing. That's that's my misery right now. <laughs> did any of you guys get ESPN Plus? I did. Uh, did you I have it? not. I have not. Well, let me let, let me tell you something. I've had the app. I got the subscription, the one year subscription, and, sh- and you have to give a big shout out to USL. We're probably doing one of the smartest things and partnering with ESPN Plus because I've watched more USL games with ESPN Plus than I have in my life 
And the reason is, is because it's so accessible. Instead of on that live YouTube, like it just, it, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a real game that I was watching. But now that's on ESPN Plus, like it's on my phone. If I'm working out or something, I need to go on a treadmill or I'll pull up like a, I was watching uh, the Tulsa Roughnecks and Fresno play. And there was like a couple of red cars thrown in there. I mean, I just want to say USL and ESPN Plus in general has been great. And USL did a fantastic job partnering up with ESPN Plus because it's definitely going to help the exposure of their league. Jake, I, I think you were watching a couple of USL games uh, earlier, like in the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I was watching. I was watching. What was it last week? I think it was Indy Eleven versus Nashville. Oh, and that terrible um, turf. Oh yeah, I know that was that was really bad. You think like that was that was uh, about on on the same level as New England Revolution when the Patriots are. Are playing now. It's even um, well. No, it's even worse because the New England Revolution, at least the Gillette Stadium, attempts to take all the the pain off. Indy Eleven had one end zone. Yeah, like with the still, Indian, it's, with the Colts thing on, and then the other side. Well, it was so it was just so wacky looking. Well, yeah, and it was awkward too because they had they didn't even remove the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, well, they tried to at least uh, <laughs> the, 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 their helmet at the fifty yard line. But the thing is, how the field was set up was you would think that that would have been kind of centered in the middle of the pitch. It was, but it wasn't. It was all kind of off centered, so it looked kind of goofy. And then, like you said, the 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 one end of the the field had the Indianapolis Colts uh, end zone still completely there. Just we're not going to try to hide it or anything, which is. Fine, I guess. I don't know. They can, they're playing in the Colts stadium, so whatever. Uh, but no, I, I getting back to ESPN Plus. Yeah, there's something. There's something about it that it, it just makes it more accessible than having to look up USL on YouTube, which really isn't that hard either. But I, I, I guess when you're just looking to, because if, uh, the nice thing about ESPN Plus is the MLS package too. So when you're looking to watch soccer and you don't right. want to one of these random MLS games like oh there's this USL game on or there oh there might be this English championship game on too so yeah it, it's it's all right there at your fingertips and it just makes everything so much easier for you I, I think it's great exposure for the sport in general but let me ask you guys since I don't have ESPN plus and I probably will get it over the summer how has the product been regarding USL just in terms of like the games the games I mean, you could tell it's it's a step down. Uh, it's fr- from MLS. I mean, it's still been entertaining to me, but sometimes you get these. I remember I watched an MLS game a couple uh, a couple years back. It was a bland zero zero draw. It was on Unimos with uh, LA Galaxy playing something like the Fire or something at StubHub, and I think you get a lot more of those games. Those weird bland sometimes some so, uh, sometimes bland as well. But it's really entertaining too because you do have a bunch of characters in the league such as a cellist at the Las Vegas Lights. And, I mean, I think, like, the first three games I tuned in, there was, like, a, it was, like, some sort of, like, it was, like, either goal fest or something along the lines of that. It's it's really interesting because you know it's a, it's a step down. But, I mean, I don't know about you, Jake. I, I mean, it's still entertaining in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I mean, not to be that, that guy, but we're all MLS fans here. We all kind of recognize – where MLS stands in the the pecking order of leagues around the world. So to me, it's kind. Of, I mean, watching USL, it, it it is what it is. It doesn't. I guess the the the, the drop off in quality or talent. I mean, it's you can tell it's there, but I don't think it's 
I don't think it's something where you go, oh, I can't watch this. This is this is like watching high school soccer. You know, it. I mean, there there's still good players in USL. There's still guys in USL that I think could be playing. I mean, I don't know, you know, starting for MLS clubs, but could be, you know, decent, you know, role players on an MLS side. Um, so. You are right. And Paul Kennedy tweeted out, uh, this was Saturday. He tweeted out, top 10 announced U.S. soccer crowd so far this week. Uh, seven came from MLS, two from USL, and one NWSL. Uh, notable, a preseason NPSL soccer game in Chattanooga draws 5,000. W- what's insane is that the third highest attended game was FC Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh in the USL. That out, It's just weird to assume, some, look at these numbers and to assume that MLS is doing really well. FC Dallas only got 13,326. I hate to I hate to throw an excuse, but the weather over here was not that good. Oh, the weather wasn't it good. Was, okay, it was supposed it was supposed to uh, storm all the game, and it actually did end up raining for I'd say a 30, 40 minute part of the first half. I mean, no excuse because I mean they have struggled with attendance, but they just had really bad luck with what with that uh, game weather. Yeah, but with that even, game, was bad luck. But even so, how does can I, I can, can I ask a question real quick though? Yeah, how does MLS do their attendance? Is it tickets sold or is it actually tickets sold? Tickets People old. going through the gate. Is it t- okay? Just making sure because I know baseball does it kind of weird. But carry on, sorry. But you know the LA Galaxy versus Atlanta United, twenty five thousand. Well, closer to twenty six thousand. Orlando City, San Jose, twenty five thousand. Sporting KC versus Vancouver, nineteen. Red Bulls versus Chicago, about eighteen. RSL versus Colorado, that's seventeen and a half. Do you think we have an issue with the attendance? Because when you look at the 2018 MLS attendance average, this is uh, brought. Uh, you can go find this on SoccerStadiumDigest.com. Let's throw out DC United because they're going to get a new stadium. But the crew, they're averaging less than ten thousand. That's the the Columbus the crew, crew are in a weird spot, though. Like, think about it. They're they're in a really weird spot, and I I I, I used to think the same. But then you think about it. Do you want to support a guy that wants to move your team? It's kind of it's kind of one of these things where you're kind of torn. Do you want to go support that that those guys who are threatening to move your team by giving them more money, or do you want to go support the team even though there's a chance they might move? They're stuck in this weird. They don't they don't know exactly what to do. The thing is, the crew are the crew are a pretty good team. So no, it kind of sucks they, that they're they in this pretty good. dilemma. But, I mean, it it doesn't it help the argument that, look, <laughs> we're getting less than 10,000 a game? Like, how, what, how does pre-court not sit there and go, look, like, what else do you want from me? They're not showing up. I'm getting the hell out of here. This is not good for the club. But what's that say to the players when they look up in the stands and it's empty? I mean, does I mean, it does it not affect the players when they are looking to sign for clubs here? The, those European players, say, the, the, even the older players, but just you know, they're they're looking around and wow, you know, playing for Sporting KC in front of a stadium in a stadium and, and in front of fans like that versus Colorado Rapids. Why the hell would I ever go to Colorado? It's it's tough because 
for certain instances, you see people talk about, okay, yeah, the fans do help. Like, I mean, I think it was Atlanta. Someone mentioned they're excited to play in front of the Atlanta fan base. But, I mean, I think in some instances, just what's best for the player, what's best in terms of uh, monetary uh, value and whatnot, especially, you know, if it's it's a player from a low, like, you know, from uh, maybe a little bit more of an unknown player. I mean, obviously, I don't think fans have that much of an impact. But I do see what you're saying. I think it doesn't really hurt, but it can really help, if that makes any sense. No, it definitely can help. But, Jake, you follow baseball a bit more closely than I do. I sent you this article this past week uh, on Yahoo Sports, 10 Degrees, MLB's enormous attendance drop due to bad weather, or is it something far worse for baseball? And numbers across the board are down. Now, uh, the article is from Jeff Patson. He writes, compared to last season at this juncture, the Boston Red Sox are down 2,500 fans a game. Chicago Cubs and St. Louis Cardinals are nearly 5,000. The Cleveland Indians' average crowd has dropped more than 5,000. Texas Rangers, more than 7,000. The Pittsburgh Pirates, more than 7,500. The Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, and Kansas City Royals are each in a, in the 8,000 range. The Miami Marlins are pushing close to 10,000. The most severe is the Baltimore Orioles, who've played six games at home and are at almost 16,000 fewer per. This is huge. Now, are we? do you think this is an issue of American sports, or is MLS's attendance issue not as bad as we think and is, in fact, in a better situation than you look at MLB. Now, we are in the month of April, and the weather is not very good in these, you know, in Boston, in these colder weather cities. So it, it would make sense. But these numbers don't look good for baseball. What, what does that say about MLS and U.S. soccer? Yeah, I, I'm, it's, I don't know, it's kind of tough to it's kind of tough to explain because I know like with baseball, I, I think a lot, a lot of this, and I'm not sure if this was touched in that article too, but a lot of those teams you mentioned are tanking and that's kind of been a hot topic in baseball now where um, these teams are basically like the Marlins in, in particular with their, you know, they had a fire sale this past yeah. off season. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if this is an American sports trend now where people are kind of just, I mean, let's, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I don't know how the prices are for FC Dallas games. I don't know, you know, what the most expensive ticket is or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, you go to a game, if you're a family of four, you know, you, you know, you bring, you know, the two kids, the wife or whatever, or the husband. Um, you know, I think you're spending probably 100 bucks altogether on those tickets. Then you got to buy food and drink and parking and all that stuff. It's just an expensive outing. And, you know, the t- ticket prices aren't getting – cheaper they're getting more and more expensive as you know time goes on i know minnesota united's theirs are going up for the 2019 season already and you know i i think stuff like that is just is what uh, kills some of these attendance numbers sometimes and it's it's april too again this was a really uh really weird march and april with how much snow and how cold it was no Um, you're right and but in the uh, US <clears throat> but my point here is if you look at if you go back to the soccer digest a soccer stadium digest.com look at the MLS attendance they do to they look at the year to year average and they give you has it increased from last year every team from 
from 14 straight down to 22. So that includes RSL, the Red Bulls, the Union, the Fire, FC Dallas, Colorado Rapids, the Revolution, the Crew, and DC United have had less attendance this year than last year. And that, that is doesn't the la- surprise me though. That that is last year's average. So that includes the good games and the good weather. And this, you know, we're only including April for this section. But those teams, those markets are struggling to get asses and seats. Well, and I think with some of those teams too. I mean, and you can speak to this because Dallas is in the. It was in that list of uh, clubs you just mentioned. I mean, how how many times have we complained on this show about how Dallas doesn't market well and, you know, they don't do enough to get people into stands, you know, or into the stands. And, it, you know, New England Revolution are a great example, too, of they're a team that's playing 45 minutes outside of Boston that's kind of a pain you know what to get to. So, I mean, another thing, too, about the, the, those teams you listed off, those aren't really – those aren't really good teams. <laughs> you know, well, Armand, like... Armand. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, Jake, but Armand, <laughs> do you think this is an issue that could plague the league in, in separating the good and the bad? I mean, like Jake said, but what, what's another interesting is these are all pretty, besides for the union, these are all old, older market teams. Chicago, Dallas, Colorado, Revolution, Columbus, D.C. These are original clubs. It's really tough to gauge if there's an attendance issue or not yet because a lot of if you look at a lot of teams share that same characteristic you know red bulls their stadium is more in harrison columbia uh, dallas stadium is not in dallas (laughs) is not in dallas it's in frisco um, and you could probably go on and on. Oh, Denver, for, New England, those stadiums are definitely not in. And uh, there, you, and there you go. Chicago that, too. That's not in. It's it's outside of Chicago. And 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 there you go. Uh, that's part of the problem. But again, uh, another part of the problem is people just. I don't think people care about MLS. Uh, well, that's what. That's what we were talking with some sources this past week, and they were saying the biggest issue. Uh, and, and these are sources close to front offices across MLS. We were talking to them, and they were saying, "Well, the issue is it's not necessarily the marketing. Some people just don't care. It's the question." Exactly. Of- people people will go. I mean, in in Texas, contrary to what anyone says, uh, anyone says or whatever, you drive everywhere. So you're gonna. So if you really care about going to see an MLS game, you will drive the thirty to forty five minutes. Uh, to get there, people do it for the the, the Cowboys all the time. Now, Cowboys FC Dallas, kind of a rash comparison. When one's America's team, the other one is bo- a bottom in MLS attendance. But um, but Jake, Jake, you have to care about it. You have to care about it. In Minnesota, do they care? Mm-hmm. Do I mean, where is the stadium in relative to the city? Do people want to make that drive? Is it accessible? Right now, so they're playing. At- at TCF Bank Stadium, which is on the University of Minnesota campus, um, that is that's in Minneapolis. So uh, there is I, I don't know about bus routes because I don't ever take the bus, but there literally is a train station about 50 feet outside of the, the the stadium. So if you're taking the train to get to the game, it drops you right off in front of it. That's obviously easy. It makes it much more accessible. 
people. Um, when they move to Allianz Field next year, there is a train station that will drop them, you know, drop fans off a block from the stadium. Um, so, I mean, they draw, I mean, Minnesota draws pretty well too. I, I, I think they average about 19,000 fans per game. I don't know if, it's tough to say, like, in this marketplace that people actually care about the club or if there's just... Uh, Jake, the number is 2,500. Uh, That's what you're averaging uh, over the two games that you guys have played at home. 20,000. Which is... 20,000. Which is literally the exact same that you guys got last year. So it's a 0-0 year-to-year. Here, here's the thing. Minnesota has soccer history. I mean, if you go back to the kicks... The kicks were in the NASL, the old NASL in the uh, in the late 60s or 70s. They were averaging 20, 20, 24, 25,000 um, uh, week in and week out. I mean, that's a lot, not, not a lot of people know about the soccer history in Minnesota. Minnesota is, I think, a really strong uh, soccer market. I mean, you see it in some games in TCF. Even when it's cold as hell outside, people are still showing up because they care. Yeah, and the the team is already getting pressured to expand Allianz Field already, and it's not even near Open. completion. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it, expand so, how? Well, it's only going to have I think it's eighteen thousand seats, nineteen thousand no, seats no somewhere way. around there. There's no way it's that it's, little. It's nineteen thousand. No, Jake's right. No, it's it's less than twenty thousand. I know that, but they're already getting they're already getting pressured to expand to twenty five thousand. So. I, I'm surprised that they are creating stadiums that are capped at below 20. I'm surprised they don't try to make a field, you know, the stadium 20 to 30,000 to allow that era of growth. Yeah, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, okay, let's, like, here's a great example. So if you turn on an MLS game and you see the stadium's half full, do you really want to watch it? Well, that, that's a great point. I mean, and. It's like Red Bulls, because Red Bulls is capacity, what, 25,000? But they maybe get 12,000, it looks half empty. No, you know, you're yeah, right, and it, it's a huge it issue. Makes, it, it makes the appearance, but I'm asking, let's look at FC Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh and how they were the third most attended game on uh, here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing about that. Sorry to interrupt you, Stephen. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. But here's my thing about that, and a lot of people have mentioned this. They're still a USL team. Don't forget that. Those ticket prices probably aren't as high as MLS, price, MLS prices. I want to see what it's going to be like and hopefully it doesn't change that much. Hopefully they've um, established so much of a loyalty and a fan base that it won't jump. But that's still a USL. I bet you a USL ticket's much less than an MLS ticket. So plain and simple. Well, sure. But the point here is Zlatan Ibrahimovic visits Dallas next week. Tickets have gone through the roof. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two next weeks. next home game, I should say. Yeah. Next home game. Tickets are through the roof. To buy. Buddy's calling they've had, me. They've, yep, they've had to. Uh, uh, they've opened up seating uh, where the Hall of Fame is uh, being built. Uh, the two corners that haven't been open usually, they've opened them up, uh, and they're selling like seventy-five buck tickets uh, for like a, uh, a sideline view, basically. So view. it's it's ridiculous how a one player still affects. I think ultimately the growth of the league is trended well. But I think MLS attendance is still a worried concern for the front office of each club and MLS as a whole because it's still dictated by, A, the home team, if they are good, who's on the home team, and ultimately, who's visiting. 
because you can't have these fluctuations of being sold out and then averaging 50% of stadium capacity the following week because you're playing a team that blows and you're playing a team that, you know, in LA Galaxy that might not necessarily be the best in the league, but because one player is going to sell out and everybody just wants to see him play. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it's it sucks. I mean, I tell people all the time who are just now watching some MLS matches because it's a lot of fun. LA Galaxy aren't that good of a team. Uh, you might be surprised if you see them lose and Zlatan not get that much service. They're like, ah, oh, no way. <laughs> well, it just happened this past weekend. It just happened. Exactly. It just happened with, uh, against Atlanta United. Atlanta United thinks a far better team to watch than LA Galaxy. I mean, that's, that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, it does. But again, I think part of it is because people don't care. I mean, I posted, uh, I mean, people don't care about MLS. People, uh, especially younger people, I think younger younger people that I go to school with, I talk to week in, week out, they don't care about MLS. They say, why do you watch that garbage league? I, I, I'll, I don't I'll know. That's a great that. question. And, and I think the problem is I'm in an area where there's really no MLS market. Jake, you see – I mean, do people talk about MLS up there when it comes to soccer? Yes or no in, in Minnesota? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> they don't They don't get talked about all that often. Um I'll sometimes wear like something Minnesota United, and people will ask me, "What is that? What what team is that?" Um, really? I think I saw. I think I saw. I don't know what. Um, oh, the uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, wide receiver Adam Thielen posted on Twitter that he got season tickets to Minnesota United, and I was reading through the comments because I just want to see people say stupid stuff about soccer, about how they don't like it or how it's dumb or whatever. And I remember there was a comment that said, what is that? Is that like our, do we have like a lacrosse team? Is that what that is? And it's like, <laughs> like, and that that's kind of where Minnesota United is with some people though. It's just like, no one knows who they are or what sport they represent or anything. And you know, it, the, the team has done a lot better job marketing itself, but um, yeah, there's just not that many people that talk about it all that much. I mean, I th- yeah, they're I've not s- talking on the radio or anything. That's another issue is, is what the coverage is in the media. But it's an interesting conversation with the MLS attendance. I think the numbers are always intriguing to look at because it fluctuates. And it's like, you know, you got to try to figure out what's the issue is. Why aren't asses being put in seats in some markets and some others are. But, Jake, I'm, I'm you're going to leave for the show. I'm going to leave you with this statistic. This is from Opta Jack. Minnesota has conceded in 18 consecutive consecutive MLS games which is tied for fourth longest such streak in MLS play since 2010 how's that make you feel yeah we're we're a little leaky huh (laughs) (laughs) once you guys get out of this stupid soft launch and go into the real launch I think it'll be a much different story but I'm convinced they will drop money this summer I think they will spend a well, I mean, apparently, apparently, Twelman mentioned uh, at the, on the halftime show that they had an offer from a either a Liga MX side or a second division side in Mexico for Christian Ramirez, a one point five million dollar offer, but they rejected it. Uh, that was in the winter, which I'm I'm willing to bet right now they are kicking themselves for not doing that because he's benched uh, behind Abu Dhabi. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, up next, Steve Brizendine from uh, Sporting KC. We'll talk to him. Talk about how good that club is.
Alrighty, listeners, joining us right now is MLSsoccer.com contributor Steve Brezendine. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing well, everybody there. We're we're here. We are enjoying MLS. That it's been crazy. This past weekend, if you look at the score lines, those criticisms that MLS is boring, please, there were goals left and right. And a team that really goals likes galore. Yes, goals galore, and a team that really likes to score is Sporting Kansas City. This was not expected from this club, was it? Well, no, after scoring, what, 40 goals in all last season, and Vermees did make it pretty clear that he wanted to go out and find somebody who was going to put the ball in the net. Uh, you know, after they, they averaged so few goals per game last year. I don't know if anybody could have seen what's going on this year coming, though. I mean, 20 goals half of last season's total just as far into the season. That's This club has really been fun to watch in the attacking third. What do you make of Johnny Russell's production, Steve? Because when they they signed him from Derby, people were kind of – it was kind of like kind of talked about, but not really. But, I mean, he's exploded onto the scene. I mean, that goal against the Galaxy a couple weeks back was really impressive, and his performance against Vancouver scoring at Hattrick was also equally as impressive. It's not just the, the, way, the way that he's scoring. It's the way that he's moving off the ball. It's the way that he's drawing penalties, the way he's running at people. Uh, and, and, you know, he earned so many teammate points the other night when he came 50 yards across the pitch to uh, to get up in uh, in Watson's grill after that, that foul on Espinosa. And then he kept his head about him, kept his hands below neck level, and wound up getting two of Vancouver's guys get sent off in the ensuing fracas. So he's been a contributor in so many different ways. And, yeah, I think he's been one of the bigger surprises of, uh, of MLS this year, one of the bigger pleasant surprises, just because of so many different things that he does well and, and how good he has been at really helping him invigorate that attack. Was Sporting – I mean, we talked – I talked about it in our little preseason little video series that we did, that Sporting KC needed to score. But the defense has – been somewhat leaky. What's going on compared to last season? Is it the loss of Benny Fellhaber to LAFC that is missing? Uh, I I don't know. I think what what's going on here is they're still kind of getting used to playing a more stretched game. One thing, and the other thing is is when teams are not coming into Children's Mercy Park and sitting back the way they used to. It, you know, sometimes it was easier to get clean sheets at Children's Mercy Park because the Opposing team would just sit back and look for counters. I think you're seeing across the league a more wide open style of play, which means that there could be more goals scored on solid defenses this year than in years past, just because things are a lot more wide open. The other thing I think they're still getting used to the model of play that Vermees installed this year with more risk taking, um, more emphasis on going down and, and going after the, the the goal instead of looking around for the. the, the the perfect pass and, and slow and maybe slowing the game down a little bit that way. I think the pieces are still there for the defense. Um, I think, and uh, you know, they have three shutouts so far this year, you know, including shutting out LA Galaxy with, with Zlatan in the team. That's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I think the defense is uh, is getting to where it needs to be. I don't think it's going to be uh, a liability this year for sure. I think it's still going to be a strength. I think it's just a different kind of model of play. It's going to be more wide open. Might concede more, but they're also poured in a lot more. Steve, what do you make of Kyrie Shelton's play recently? I mean, we saw him at NYCFC, the team that selected him in the Super Draft, and 
we saw flashes of what he could do, but it looks like he's been playing really well in uh, Peter Vermees' system. What he's done really well is being really aware of the guys around him. Look, I know he's not been lighting up the scores yet. He's not, he's not down the net yet. But you look at, um, you know, say, for example, there's a, there's a play in Colorado where he screens off his defender so Felipe can get to the rebound and knock mm-hmm. it in. There's that little back heel that he makes in that same mm-hmm. game that, to Diego Rubio. He's doing really well at being aware of the guys around him and helping create opportunities for them. Um, I think Peter will tell you that as long as the ball, he expects goals from forward, but as long as that forward is helping create opportunities to go in the net, I, I think he's going to have uh, you know, a pretty long leash with Peter, even if he's not putting the, uh, the ball in the net because of how well he's working with the guys around him. Steve, Sporting K- KC has played the most games so far. Now, give or take, because there are a couple games going on today. I don't know how that affects the standings. But how has that affected the team, and how do you think this could impact going into the summer with the World Cup and just you know having a, a, a schedule that seems to be very busy here early on? You know, um, I in, in the past we've kind of gone in late in the year with games at hand and not done a whole lot with those. It'd be interesting to see what I don't know what to expect with having the schedule more front loaded like this. I do know they're getting results, um, and that's never a bad thing to get results earlier in the season mm-hmm. because then maybe you can weather that stretch that's coming where the, where the results aren't going to come. Um, I think this is a team that is actually better built than, than the Spring Kansas team has been in a while to make runs not only in another open cup, but uh, runs in the playoffs. I think it's built with more depth. I think it's built to... Uh, to or the system rather than, than who's out of the pitch at any given time is, is really the, sort of the star. Um, you know, I think that the people who make that work perhaps better top to bottom of the club. Steve, there's been a little bit of some uh, criticism uh, for SKC's uh, new DP, Johan Krozet. He's kind of found uh, himself in the last couple of games, I'd say. What's, the, what's been the fan reaction of uh, his play? You know, early on, I think you're right, there's a lot of criticism. Um, because with the DP, people expect the DP to come in and contribute right away. Which, you know, in a playmaking capacity, they may, that's not always the easiest thing to do because you're still learning everybody's tendencies. You're still learning the league. Uh, I think his work rate has been really good. Uh, and I think the results are starting to come around to match with that. Is he... Uh, as good as he needs to be yet, I don't know. Um, I think he's making a lot of strides, and I think he's he's hitting, uh, starting to hit those those points where they expect him to, to make the plays and to and to, to to link up with his teammates. And I think that's just a natural progression. Now, the fans are going to take a little bit to warm to him. One because Benny was such a favorite, and. Uh, they miss him, and anybody's going to be compared to him for a while. But I think Jose has a, a chance to, to win people over, and I think he's starting to really kind of come around and mesh better with the team in the last couple of matches. You guys, uh, Sporting KC has scored the most goals through eight games um, in its franchise with 20 goals, which is just an insane stat to think about. I mean, obviously the trend, you know, the trend will it keep up, but 
do you see them continuing just being a, a, an offensive juggernaut throughout the season with how Peter Vermeens has everything set up in this beginning part? Until people uh, figure out, you know, if they can figure out that that off the ball movement in the in the area and attacking third yet, I think so. This team is. If you look at, at past sporting KC teams, there was possession with not so much intent, or not so much to show for the possession. Uh, a lot of extra passes near the uh, near the goal. Maybe when a shot should have been taken and it got laid off to somebody, or an extra touch trying to get an, an angle to shoot from. This team is looking, I think, to make things happen sooner rather than later. They're not looking for the perfect shot. Uh, they're taking their opportunities and letting, see, letting things uh, kind of shake out as they will from, from taking the shots. I mean, look at Jimmy Madrada the other night. Um, that was a shot that... Ooh, you know, I was going to ask you about that Seriously goal. audacious shot. What did you think of that goal? I was going to ask you about that. Ooh. That angle from behind, it, that that just... that Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's... I, I asked Vermees if they've been doing any kind of mechanical work on with Jimmy to get him to keep the ball down. Because in the past, Jimmy, he's got two really nice goals this year. In the past, he put the ball over the bar pretty routinely. I mean, he's just sitting back too far on his shot, not getting over well enough, maybe getting a little big-eyed sometimes. But this year, for whatever reason, and Peter said, no, it's just, you know, kind of his maturing. Whatever whatever reason, whether they actually have been working with him or, or whether it's just, you know, learning to, to settle down a little bit and get over the ball, he is getting deadly from distance. And, um, you know, he's never been shy about shooting, but this year, I mean, he's a lot more dangerous because that ball is, is dipping, it's, it's swirling, and it's staying under the bar and going in the net. Uh, Steve, I just want to talk about the league quickly. Zlatan, obviously, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been playing for a little bit. Uh, just get your thoughts. Good move for just the league as a whole? Oh, boy. This is a complex <laughs> thing because it does sort of reinforce the image of MLS as a, as a place that guys, you know, who are getting up there in years, uh, who've been making seven figures in Euros, you know, and they're coming here now. There's a little bit of that left. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be honest. With that with that Zlatan signing, there's still a little bit of that whiff of that around him. Now, will he be good for the league from a publicity standpoint? Oh yeah. I mean the guy's personality is crazy and he can still play. You know, he can still play at a, at a pretty decent level. Um, he's not who he used to be, but you know, that's that's when you get to be that age. You're, nobody's who they used to be. Um, overall, look, I, I think it's it's good, but it's not an unmixed blessing because there is that sort of reinforcement of okay, well, I'm going to go take I'm get I'm getting uh, where my Premier League club doesn't have much use for anymore. I'm going to go to MLS and uh, and grace them with my presence. <laughs> but you know, but you know, in terms of in terms of attention to the league, in terms of a personality, sure, it's a great thing. Oh, absolutely! I mean, absolutely, it, it it's absolutely. been fun. You know, just uh, to watch him yeah. play, yeah, and, and uh, he's visiting Dallas, and Armand and I are just talking. The, the skick, ticket, you know, increases in prices are just astronomical, just because of one player. It's just crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, and he's 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 done some some big courses. His second goal on his debut was offside. I was still maintaining that one. That first goal was just a thing of, of wonder, but that second goal he was offside on. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and hang my hat on that. 
But then you look at a guy who's had more impact. I think, you know, arguably look at look at Johnny Russell, look at Felipe Gutierrez. These are guys who do no not near the splash, but look what kind of impact they've had for sporting and where sporting is on the table. No, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, it, even with a uh, consistently underrated Ilya in the midfield as well. I mean, these these guys are guys that people don't really talk about, but as a um, when when they come together and as a collective, they've made SKC uh, a team that. I have kept my eye on outside of the NYCFCs and the Atlanta Uniteds of the world. Look, Ilya, if you're going from a purely objective standpoint of the impact he's had on a team and, and the value he's brought to a team, Ilya may be one of the best signings ever in this league. But the defensive midfield position is just so non-sexy. Absolutely. Um, a a D is like a you know it's like a server in a restaurant. You don't really <laughs> notice them until you need them. All right, and then they show up. Do they do what you need them to do? That, and then they go back to to being, you know, invisible. I don't say invisible, but you just don't notice him as much. You look mm-hmm. at the way Ilya plays. He's where he needs to be. He's not flashy, but he he's just so heady, and he's 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 got such a great idea of pace. You know, he he can he can speed up a game if he needs to. He can slow down a game if he needs to. The guy can control the tempo of a game. Great link up between the uh, the back line and the and the the attacking core. Uh, he but he's again he's a lot like Tim Million. He's never going to toot his own horn. Right. Two of the most of the, of the of the guys with the smallest egos making huge contributions um, to this club. And I still think you know, if you from a purely objective value for for dollars uh, in this league, he's been one of the best signings ever. When I whenever I I see Ilya play because I mean sometimes I'll catch an SKC game on ESPN Plus now or back in the day MLS Live, uh, he is he's he's someone who's just who's just right most of the time he's just right he he makes the right play at the right time but it's such a small play that if you're like a casual fan you won't notice it but it's just something that's so small you're like damn that was just such a smart intelligent play and it's something that. Like I said, I think it's criminally underrated and just not a sexy position. He's a footballer's footballer. I mean, you're, if you're a casual fan, you, 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 you may not notice. But if the guy's a footballer's footballer, the people who know the game, the people who play the game, know what a good pickup he's been for sporting. And he, he's just, um, he is underrated, I want to say, outside the circle. Inside the circle, I mean, he's rated really highly. It's just that, again, like you said, that's not a pitch where people go to get famous. Well, Steve, we appreciate it as always. Um, we look forward to uh, reading your stuff. But tell the listeners where they can follow you on Twitter and get all your latest information on you Sporting KC. Follow me at uh, follow me at Steve Brizendine on uh, on Twitter. Just my name. Uh, doing uh, not so much game to game stuff, but some longer term stuff this year. But uh, I was still going to have my stuff out with uh, a lot of soccer, so it's. Uh, Always fun to follow this club, and uh, especially this season, it's going to be really fun to follow this club. Oh, for sure. We're excited to see where uh, Sporting KC go. Thanks again, Steve, and uh, have a good day. Thank you, Steve. Thanks again for having me on. I think Sporting KC can be a dark horse because the team is sexy among MLS fans, but it's not as sexy as an Atlanta or an NYCFC, LAFC, in terms of where the team could go 
throughout this, the course of the season. Man, SKC is one sexy team in my book. Well, it's but, sexy, um, sure, but it's yeah. but it's it's but not. I, I see what you're saying. It's not star the power. it's not the star power. It's not the sexiness that you're getting with TFC, Atlanta, NYCFC. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I absolutely agree. And regardless if they're good or the bad, time, you know, if they're good teams or yeah, bad exactly. teams, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like I would even say like Dallas. What two years ago when they when they oh, had sixty super points, super sexy team. Yeah, but, super sexy team, but no one cared. Because they didn't have like any any superstars. No, I I, I just man, this discussion of Ilya Sanchez is really interesting because he is a really criminally underrated uh, defensive mid- midfielder. Which again, a defensive midfielder doesn't do their that does a great job, doesn't really get that noticed. But like you said, the defensive the defensive struggles are something that may need to be touched upon. Hopefully, they can get that balance because defensively, I mean. What they allowed four goals against Chicago? Yeah, something um, like that. Four. Like no, their first it three, or second three, game. Three or four. Three or it was four. four. It was four. It was four. It was it was it was a big amount. And I mean, part part of that is I mean I don't think they haven't. There's not that many upgrades done to the defense just yet. But I mean I think if maybe there's a couple upgrades here or there and uh, they sure up the back line that they can easily be a team that competes with a team like an NYCFC. Or in Atlanta, hell, they might be better than one of those teams. We just haven't seen them in a uh, head-to-head game yet. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how the season progresses. I mean, it's still early on, so you don't know. You just really don't. That's the nature of MLS because a team could get hot. <clears throat> Seattle 2016. <coughs> go, you know, win, win everything. But uh, turning the page, Armand, to... Toronto FC, who uh, clearly are not giving two poops about MLS. That is absolutely not their intentions. Right now, it is the CONCACAF Champions League, and they laid an egg last Tuesday. They messed up, and they know it. It's one of those games that you just watch, and you were just... I was frustrated watching that game as someone who was hoping TFC would win, but still a little bit more on bias side. That was one of those games you watched, and I feel like I've watched five of those games because those are all the same way FC Dallas games play well, out. You know what? Those the same way. Of, those types of games are, are what proves that soccer, in this game, you just don't know what's ever going to happen. You could have all the talent in the world, but it sometimes it just doesn't click. You could be the more superior team. doesn't click. That's the beauty of the sport. I mean – what did I say on Twitter when the game ended? That uh, TFC probably should have been up 3 4 1 at some well, point. You were, we were messaging back and forth. I think, well, we're, gonna, we're waiting to get James Grossi on the line here. But I, I think Vanny screwed up his tactics. He should have switched them up earlier in that game because they were all over Chivas. They were. No, they were. And it was a really frustrating game to watch because, like I said, they should have been at 3-4-0. Chivas was giving them so much space. They were just whipping in balls like crazy. They were giving them so much space on the wings. And the fact of the matter is they didn't take advantage of it. They didn't score. And now they're going to have a 2-1 deficit, eating two goals to win, the, uh, to win the CCL, basically. And, look, it 
they, they were a better team, but who cares? Throw it out the window. They lost. They lost in a bad way. And they allowed it, a, a couple of bad goals. It is what it is. Join us again is what I like to call RTFC guru, James Grossi. James, how you doing today? No, not too bad. Not too bad. Enjoying a bit of a lazy Sunday, watching some soccer. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, one week ago, we were looking at the historic moment TFC had before them. We were all head over heels thinking that TFC could do it. And then game comes around, and then things don't go to plan, do they? No, it was, uh, you know, that... Uh, that elation, that sort of excitement that everyone had going into BMO Field on Tuesday didn't last very long whatsoever. You know, 66 seconds in, Chivas sort of scores off of a, you know, a goal that, that no coach ever wants to see the team concede. And, you know, it sort of deflated deflated the stadium, and I'm sure it deflated the players a little bit as well. But, you know, they fought back and, and made it an interesting game. Of course, the result wasn't exactly what, uh, what they would have wanted either, but I it sure sets up an exciting second leg on Wednesday. Do you think it's over? That was. <laughs> I'm going to get this. Let's, just get, let's uh, just get straight to the point. Is it over? Because Armand definitely thinks it's over. You, you, we've been texting literally since the game, and Armand, in fact, was pissed. He felt cheated by. I TSC. was so. I was so. I was. I was bummed. I mean, maybe it's a little premature to say it was over, but that was one of the more frustrating games I think I've. I, I've watched because I would say they dominated for uh, I would say sixty or is it sixty five uh, minutes of the match, and then there was a ten minute start in the first half, and then the last fifteen minutes where they kind of were on the on, on the back edge, and you almost thought Chivas could potentially get a third. Um, it, it 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 was just like overall frustrating game, and the fact that I mean they've done it before getting a two goal deficit, but I mean we've seen Chivas in the way they've uh, sh- they they. Uh, uh, have sh- shut down. I mean, they prevented Red Bull from scoring goal, even though they could have they could they could have scored. But I mean, just I I I think Almeida knows what what to do and how to uh, uh, limit Toronto. So I mean, I, I I'm I'm a little bit more bleak looking into the uh, uh, return leg at uh, in uh, Guadalajara. Yeah, um, to to be straightforward, like I I don't think in any way this game is over. Um, one of the one of the things that really struck me afterwards was that, you know, Vanny was was very terse in his press conference. He didn't really have a whole lot to say, and you know, there was a part of me that that got the feeling that he was very angry with how that match turned out. Not only not only that first goal was one that a coach never wants to see a side concede, but that second one too was just oh yeah, you know, to give it up on that sort of stage and sort of put yourself behind the eight ball. But furthermore to that. It was a real missed opportunity to put a stranglehold on a series. Chivas were missing three starters through suspension. I think they were missing another player or two through injury. And, you know, you're playing at home. And, you know, whether you're the favorites or not, you really want to go down to Mexico having given yourself the best chance at, at finishing this off. Now, you know, that said, um, this is a Toronto team that that's very confident in themselves. And the thing that struck me post-match was, aside from Vanny being a little little uh, less verbose than he normally is, was that when we spoke to Michael Bradley and we spoke to Drew Moore, uh, neither one of them was feeling sorry for themselves. Neither one of them was, was letting their head drops, that were, were letting their heads drop. They were very much adamant that, you know, this was halftime in the series. And, and yes, they had, they had, not taken from the 